welcome back to Let's Talk About It. Today, Jackie and I are going to be talking about eating disorders. So just a short trigger warning, if, if this is something that you personally struggle with or you know would be triggering for you, maybe this isn't quite the episode for you, but just so you know, we will be talking about disordered eating, body image struggles. Uh, we won't be going into unnecessary detail about those things such as weight or certain types of foods, but just full disclosure before we get started. So it is estimated that 30 million Americans have struggled with an eating disorder at some point over their lifetime. That is um, a statistic from Claire Maisko, CEO of National Eating Disorders Association. And that breaks down, just so you kind of get an idea of what that looks like, to about 20 million women and 10 million men. So this is a common struggle that a lot of people experience and go through, which is why it's such an important thing to talk about. And it is stigmatized. There's a lot of stereotypes. So we just want to really break that down today, which is why I think it's so awesome that Jackie is willing to share some of her own personal experience and story today. So Jackie, when do you first feel like you started struggling with body dysmorphia, body image issues, or eating? Yeah, so I remember for the first time thinking about my body and feeling like my body wasn't good enough as young as uh, the sixth grade. And it's kind of weird. I don't really know what the cause of it was. I just remember thinking that I was bigger than my friends. And for some reason, being bigger felt like that was wrong. And I was in no way overweight. I just, my build was just bigger than some of my, some of my friends at the time. And it's, it's just interesting because my mom um, and no one in my family ever really commented on my body or said anything degrading about my body. But for some reason, in some way, I eternalized or absorbed from something. I can't even really pinpoint what it is. I've tried to figure it out in therapy, but I haven't been able to. But I just remember that I really thought I was too fat when I was in the sixth grade, which is so sad. Um, and then when I was 13 years old, I was bullied by a group of girls that said that I wasn't pretty enough to be their friend. And although that wasn't focused on my body, that just ingrained in me such a deep sense of insecurity about my appearance and also about my body. At the time, it's interesting that I actually felt that I was too skinny, that I wasn't curvy enough. But just that idea that I wasn't enough of something, so much so that people couldn't be friends with me, built in me this idea that I needed to be proving myself in some way, which I think was something that carried with me and further added to my development of an eating disorder. Um, but also that same time at that age, I had a friend comment to me, which she was, you know, was really sweet. She said to me, oh, you, you could definitely be a model one day. I guess in her eyes, I was really tall, lanky and skinny and had that certain kind of look that models have. Models are kind of awkward looking, a lot of models. So I kind of latched onto that idea and I really latched on to being skinny. I thought, okay, if I'm not pretty, if I'm not good enough to be people's friend, at least I'm skinny. <laughs> and at least maybe one day I could be accepted in this, this part of society being a model or something like that. Like at least in this way, maybe I am enough. So it was a very young age that I latched on to being skinny and then I latched on to this idea that I needed to prove myself and it really planted a seed in me that I think was very toxic to me throughout the rest of my life. 
I think that's a struggle that maybe a lot of people can resonate of having a lot of outside voices as well as inside voices. So having your own inward struggle and your own inward thoughts or negative self-talk, but also having voices of either positivity and encouragement um, that is well-meaning but leads down destructive paths and also bullying plays a, a large role, especially when it comes to people going through puberty. So as you were approaching high school and going through high school, how do you feel like all of that impacted your experience? Yeah, I, like many other high schoolers, was painfully insecure. I mean, the words of those girls to me did not go away. That's something I even will still think about now. It's crazy how words from such a young young age can impact you. And so, yeah, I was definitely at the beginning of high school very insecure. Never felt pretty enough. I was insecure about my body and actually that I wasn't curvy enough. I still wanted to be skinny. I was happy that I was skinny, but I wanted to have the curves that my friends were developing. Um, Specifically, every young girl wants to have boobs. It's just what it is. And it's what our culture tells us is what makes you worthy and like good enough as a woman that you're skinny and have curves. So... Uh, Even though I was skinny, I was definitely still insecure about my body. Um, I wouldn't say, though, that I started actually struggling with an eating disorder or developing an eating disorder until my junior year of high school. And that was, I talked a little bit earlier about the idea my friend put into my mind of being a model. And it was at that age that I came, became obsessed with Victoria's Secret, which looking back is so repulsive to me not that those women are repulsive but just the idea that they kind of give to society that uh for to be beautiful you need to look like those women which is tall skinny having like boobs and a butt but being very thin and tall um something that only four percent of women genetically can even achieve no matter how much they work out but i became obsessed with them and that led to me also just being a lot more aware of my body And I was obsessed with having a flat stomach. And this was where it kind of developed into body dysmorphia. I was obsessed with the way that my stomach looked so much so that it it affected every area of my life. And I did not realize that it was normal for throughout the day your body to change. Like it's totally normal when you wake up in the morning, you have a flatter stomach Um, Even depending on a woman's time and her cycle, like maybe that's not going to be a thing because there are times that we're more bloated. But because I was just looking at these perfect models, I just didn't realize that that was normal. So I became absolutely obsessed with having a flat stomach all the time. And I didn't realize it was normal for you to go throughout the day, your stomach to get bigger and expand as you eat and whatever. So I became just terrified of food and convinced myself there was something wrong with me. And I started cutting things out of my diet, like gluten and dairy, when really I didn't have a problem with them. But that was the start of it, was me just cutting things out of my diet and trying these like different radical diets that I saw girls on YouTube trying to get like a Victoria's Secret model body. And also at the time, my depression and anxiety were also getting really bad, which I had struggled with those since I was young, which I'm sure we'll touch on on later episodes. But I really think that throughout my journey, my depression, anxiety, and my eating disorder played off of each other and helped exasperate each other. They kind of just played off of each other. So that was something else that was also happening. Um, And... Yeah, like I said, I just got really obsessive with my food. At the time, I was also running track, but I just became absolutely terrified of food. 
I didn't want to eat or do anything that would cause my stomach to get bigger. It was just this very specific <laughs> obsession. And I just got to the point where um, I was eating just pretty much nothing. I was running track and wondering why I wasn't doing very well. Uh, I wasn't fueling my body, but it didn't really matter to me because I was super skinny and I was definitely getting thinner, but I couldn't even see it because I was so obsessed with the way that like my stomach looked. And there were a few instances throughout that time where I felt like if I ate too much or my stomach looked bad that I would um, purge, which I'm not going to go into how I did that. You can look up what purging means. I don't want to be too triggering to anyone listening, but thankfully I didn't become addicted to that. So that wasn't really a part of my eating disorder, but there were a few times that that's definitely something I did. And as much as I, I was obsessed with my body, but there was a part of controlling how much I was eating that I just, I wanted to have some sense of control which I think is really normal for people in eating disorders, that that's one of the main causes is they want to gain control. So in my life at the time, I didn't feel like I had control of a lot of different areas and I wasn't satisfied with a lot of different areas of my life, but I could control the amount of food I was eating and there was a sense of satisfaction that I could control that. So that was a big part of my eating disorder was not just changing the way that my body looked, but also having control. So there are a lot more aspects to eating disorders than just trying to change how your body looks. There's a lot of mental and emotional things going on as well. What role, I know in an earlier episode you discussed, you know, your struggles with anxiety specifically, um, but also with depression as well. What, What role do you feel like that played in the need for control and how that then got interpreted into the disordered eating yes so anxiety is all about not being comfortable with having a lack of control or the unknown so having control in that way was a way that I thought was helping my anxiety also my depression was getting really really bad and I think it's kind of weird you can't really tell what's causing the other but not eating enough can also definitely worsen your depression but as my depression got worse I started to feel even more self-hate and shame for myself. So not eating also for me became a form of self-harm that went along with my depression because I just hated myself, my body so much that I just, I didn't care to take care of myself in the way that I should. Um, And not eating was a way for me not only to have control, but also a form of self-harm, which is really dark and scary to look back on yeah and I think you know I know that is common for a lot of women struggling with eating and and even me personally knowing part of my story is that with the struggles of anxiety there does come a lot of guilt and shame when you are confronted with a lot of the stigma of anxiety and feeling that it's somehow your fault or that you're causing this or that you are weak and so eating can be an area where you feel like you have control and that you can kind of punish yourself almost. So, oh, I'm anxious, so I'm going to punish myself for having that anxiety that I don't feel like I deserve the right to have. And that is something that can lead to a lot of shame because it's not something you want to talk about or tell people. So how do you feel like that shame of struggling with the mental illness, but then also the disordered eating, how did that play into as you kind of exited high school? 
Yeah, so I guess we can go back to my senior year. So that was all that was going on during my junior year was very restrictive behavior. And that uh, caught up with me. My senior year, my mental health was worse than ever uh, because of a lot of things. But also I know that not eating enough definitely played into that. And that's when I started also binging. So I struggled with a form of binge eating disorder, which refers to eating an excessive amount of food in a short period of time, such as over a couple of hours, and there's no purging involved. And like I said, most of the time I did not purge. Um, And this binging behavior must happen at least once a week over three months to be formally diagnosed. And I would say I struggled with binge eating for two to three years. And it was because my body was so malnourished from me not eating for so long that it was like something in my brain just snapped and my body could not deal with it anymore. So I would go through these periods where I wouldn't eat for a few days or just not eat very much for a week. And then I would just binge and eat more than I had eaten in like a week. And it was out of my control. Like I literally could not stop myself. It was more than just overeating. Like it was a ridiculous amount of food. And it also creates a lot of shame. You kind of hide what you're doing. I just remember having like things like I'd eaten, like the cartons of it, like in my room because I was too ashamed to even realize that I that I had eaten that much. And so then I would further punish myself by not eating for a few more days. But that only <laughs> kind of makes the cycle worse because in your body like uh, needs that nutrition again. So you end up binging again. So it was just a cycle of restrictive eating and then binging. And binge eating disorder is actually one of the most common eating disorders. About 3.5% of women and 2% of men uh, have binge eating disorder according to the National Eating Disorder Organization. And yeah, it was just a huge source of shame for me and it was something that was so out of my control. It's so funny that my restrictive eating was a form of control for me and then it just led to having no control at all and that's what a lot of people when they have an eating disorder they feel like they have a sense of control but you really don't have any control you can't really help that you restrict like there's something in their your brain that tells you you need to restrict and you physically can't make yourself eat until the binging wave kind of comes and then you can't stop yourself from eating and it's a horrible cycle and so I struggled with that all of my senior year And also during my senior year, what kind of correlated with this was I, my body, I was a late bloomer. (laughs) I did not get the curves and hips and butt and boobs and all of that until I was 17 years old. So from that, before then, I was super skinny. I had the body of a supermodel. It was just how I, I looked. And I actually had been in modeling and all of that. And I was still kind of like going through that and trying to make that work being from a small town and like going to agencies and all of that so that was still very much a part of my story and then my body just started changing out of nowhere and I did not know what to do with it this was at the beginning of my senior year where I started getting hips and a butt and my body actually held on to fat in those areas because that's how a woman's body develops. You're developing in a way that you can bear life. So your hips widen, you get more fat in those areas and it's totally natural and it's totally fine. But I was so freaked out because I was so attached all the way back to when I talked about 13 years old of being the skinny friend. 
And all of a sudden, I lost that part of my identity. That was the one thing I had. I thought if I'm not pretty enough, if I'm not whatever enough, at least I'm the skinny friend. And that all, it felt like to me at the time, I can remember my exact thoughts were just shattered. And my chances of ever being in the modeling industry were completely shattered. So that only worsened my symptoms of me thinking, well, I can get back. I can get back to that body because I just hadn't been taught. I mean, looking, all I was looking at were models and they were super skinny. I mean, they were older than me. So I thought, well, I need to get back to that body. And it just genetically wasn't even possible, (laughs) but I thought I could. So that only worsened my eating disorder, my restrictive behavior, which led the binging to be worse and... It was, it was just a mess. Uh, I, my senior year was probably one of the worst years of my life and the worst that my eating disorder ever was. And it's so hard to hear that your value in where you thought it was placed was in your appearance and that looking at these women who were supermodels and viewing them almost as role models of that was the expectation that was what was normal what was supposed to go on when in reality so many of these models are on extremely unrealistic and unhealthy diets or they are photoshopped and their bodies aren't even real and how sad it is that our society is accepting that as what is supposed to be acceptable for a woman's body when what you're saying about biology a woman being able to bear life which is what we are created to be that should be what is normalized Um, but sadly we're not quite there yet So you really touch on your specific struggle with binge eating, um, but there are different disorders. And I think it is important to mention, you know, there is several different ways this can look for different people. So some people might struggle with anorexia, which involves wanting to stay obsessively thin. Um, Some people may struggle with bulimia, which involves purging. So eating a large amount of food and then purging And then another one that is maybe not as often discussed because it's not technically a formal diagnosis is an obsessive focus on pure or clean eating. So Jackie, do you have any thoughts on maybe that aspect of eating disorders? Yeah, so I feel like that was also um, a part of my struggle. So yeah, at the end of my senior year... um, I was still very much struggling. I was so freaked out with the fact that I had curves and I had stretch marks and all these things that are totally normal. But of course, I was looking at these supermodels. So I didn't realize that all of that was normal and it felt like the end of the world to me. But I was still obsessed with getting back my other body. So I decided that I was going to go vegan, which was very much motivated by looking at these YouTubers and Instagram girls that were very thin, had very model-esque bodies and were vegan. And another thing that kind of drew me into that, though, was them saying, like, as long as you're eating this pure and clean food, as a vegan, you can eat as much as you want. And I was so tired of restricting and then binging. So I did look at this almost a little bit of a positive view was, like, okay, this is what can get me out of this. Because I did realize I had a problem and that this was really not good. Um, But I thought, as long as I eat these kinds of foods, I can eat as much as I want and I'll lose weight and I'll be skinny and a model and whatever. It'll be great. So I was still obsessed with my physical appearance. Didn't really care about my health at all, still. (laughs) And my body was very much suffering from the way that I was acting, like my nails and my hair. You know, it just was, it was not good. And I won't go into the specifics of that, but my body was very much suffering from the way that I was treating it. Um, 
So I, I did. I went vegan and I was eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, which I did think do think helps my mental health because I was just eating so many good nutrients. But I was still under eating because those are such low, uh, low calorie foods. Um, and I was still binging, not as strongly as I had been before, I think because my body was getting some of the nutrients that it needed, but I was still kind of in that cycle. And also my eating cues were so screwed up. When you teach your body that you could just restrict and then eat all at once, your body forgets normal hunger cues. I remember like my senior year of high school, I just would be obsessed with food. I couldn't stop thinking about food because when you're malnourished, that's all your body can think about in survival mode is food. And it affected my life so much because I just could not think about anything but food. And I mean, I was still dealing with that. It takes time for your body to heal. So I was still dealing with, you know, some under eating and then some binging and I, I thought it was successful, though, because I was uh, losing weight because I had, I guess, the binging a little more under control and I was eating healthier foods. But eventually, I mean, it just got bad again because I wasn't dealing with the root issue. And I still had a horrible view of my body. I mean, I was still was not healthy uh, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, and it just kind of it got really bad again, I would say my sophomore year of college, where I got back into that cycle of eating and then binging. And even when I felt like I was eating enough, I was still binging because my body had gotten into that that habit. So it didn't really matter. Like my cues were just so messed up that I would binge even if I had eaten enough. And I didn't really know how to stop it. I think it's so interesting too that there was like almost a positive twist on it that you wanted to turn to this other form of disordered eating in an attempt to help yourself because you could recognize that there was a struggle taking place, that there was something going on that shouldn't be going on and that your body was being mistreated. And so viewing, you know, healthy eating as a way to, you know, help that I think is a good response, but clearly it wasn't enough because you weren't addressing the root problem. So when do you feel like you started really addressing that root problem and what did that look like? Yeah, so it actually came in the form of me finally getting help for my anxiety and depression. I, my sophomore year of high school and junior, sorry, my sophomore year of college and my junior year of college struggled deeply with depression and anxiety to the point where I was suicidal. And I finally got help with that. I finally got on medica- medication to help my anxiety and depression. And I got into therapy. And it was in therapy that I finally was able to deal with my mental health issues on the one side of the anxiety and depression. And that in turn also helped my eating. And I also, you know, talked with my therapist through my eating issues. And, you know, the two really do play off of each other and worsen the other. So by really getting to the root cause in that way with the medication and the therapy, I was able to finally start healing from my eating disorder and learning how to better cope with my insecurities and these things that I had ingrained in me since I was a child when I was bullied and to start to work on my hunger cues and my eating and just things like that that I really needed to work on. And I also, at the same time, really started growing in my relationship with God. I mean, I think that we are holistic beings. We need to work on our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health is so important. 
And that was when I really started to get more into my faith and really realized that my worth was in God. And so with the combination of that and then the therapy, I really started to get over my eating disorder. So maybe just go into a little more of what that looked like or what that's continuing to look like now. You know, obviously, as humans, we're all still on a journey. We're not, you know, we probably won't be completely healed or perfect until we get to heaven and are on the other side of glory. But what is that looking like for you now today as you continue with battling this, um, but also growing and healing? Yeah, so I think I'll touch on the spiritual side first. I think, so as I was telling you before, my role models were super bottles, and I looked up to them solely for the way that they looked, (laughs) which looking back is so superficial, but I think it's really easy for us to do as young girls, and when it's what society is telling us makes us worthy as women, that's what we're going to look up to. And as I grew in my faith, um, as a Catholic, there's a great emphasis put on uh, Mary, the mother of God. And she's something I mean, can talk more in my spiritual journey in a later episode, really came into my life. I think Jesus really sent her to me to help me realize what actual womanhood and femininity looks like. It's not being obsessed with your body. It is being humble and using your female gifts to serve God, just as Mary did. And just looking at her as more of an example rather than celebrities or models really was very healing for me. And then she, of course, led me closer to Jesus, who when you find your worth in Jesus versus how your body looks and really fall in love with Jesus, it is such a game changer. I mean, reading what he says about us in scripture and the Psalms that I formed you in the womb and that I knew you before you even existed, like how precious you are and your body is, that was so healing for me. So keeping up a regular prayer life and keeping that relationship with Jesus very strong has been a huge thing for me. But also, be like I said, we're holistic beings. I also, I still go to therapy because those, I would say that my body physically did not heal. I mean, it took years. I would say even last year I was still struggling with messed up hunger cues because the body takes time to get back on track when you screwed up those hunger cues for so long. So I had to keep going to therapy. I had to kind of work through that as I dealt with my eating being off and dealing with like smaller binging episodes or restrictive episodes. So that took a long time and I think we have to realize it will take a little while and we have to keep pushing through with the treatment with therapy. And all of that. And I mean, there are still times that I struggle with when I'm feeling a lot of shame. I will have this urge to not eat because it's what I've taught myself is how I deal with not being in control and feeling bad about myself as a form of punishment. So therapy has still been a really big thing for me to work through. And as the years go on, even though I still struggle, I get stronger and stronger where the episodes they lost, they last a lot. They're a lot shorter And I bounce back a lot more quickly. And yeah, keeping up that regular treatment has been a really, a really big thing for me. But dealing with the emotional, physical, and spiritual. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think that's such an important thing to note that healing isn't always linear. It's not in a straight line. I think a lot of times when you think of like, okay, I'm at rock bottom. So when I start healing, I should go be going straight up almost like a pyramid, like all the way up to the top. 
and most of the time it's more like a wave it's you know you go up a little bit and then you go back down and then you get back up but the hope in that is that each time you're going up you're getting even further up before you go back down again and you get even further up and that Christ is walking with you through all of those ups and downs so as we kind of close on this topic, Jackie, what are some maybe practical tips you have for people going through that healing process or people who are still in the midst of their struggle? What are some tips that you would have for them? Yeah, uh, I am a huge advocate of therapy and treatment programs. Anything that you need, do not be ashamed of having to get therapy, of having to go into a treatment program for your eating disorder. There is no shame in taking care of, care of yourself and figuring that out. And I'm so happy that the stigma around therapy and these things is lessening as time goes on throughout the generations. But that is a huge thing. You, at some point, have to realize that you can't do this on your own. You don't have control. So I'm a big advocate of, you know, dealing with that on the clinical side. Um, Another thing is you have to realize who you're surrounding yourselves with. So my sophomore year of college, I had a friend that was also dealing with bulimia. And as much as I loved her, I had to limit the amount of time that I was spending with her, I realized, because we were not good for each other. We were constantly talking about our bodies, how we didn't like our bodies, talking about the things that we were doing to be thinner, that were not healthy, that were eating disorder behaviors. You have to really watch who you're surrounding yourself with. That also goes for social media. You have to watch at what you're looking at on social media. I had to unfollow all the supermodels that I was following, all of the fitness people that I was following, as much as they had good intentions. And I would say even now I can follow fitness Instagrammers because I have a much healthier in my view of body image. And it, it can just furthers me to be better in my fitness, not that I have to look exactly like they look or that I need to lapse back into eating disorder behaviors. But when I was going through that, I had to really filter what I was looking at, uh, which can be really difficult, but that's definitely important. And yeah, I mean, the very, maybe the most important thing is our spiritual lives, um, really digging into my prayer life and healing before the Lord and adoration as a Catholic. Adoration is a huge, huge thing for me that I just go and I sit before the Lord and I let him tell me how beautiful and worthy, worthy I am. And that has had a profound impact on my life that when 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 these things come up when these bad eating habits kind of come back um, they're much easier to cope with when I have my identity grounded in the Lord Um, my advice would be just not to hyper focus on any of those areas even though spirituality I think is the most important you have to take care of the mental and clinical sides as well so don't be ashamed that you might need to reach out for extra help Um, being in a treatment program or in therapy. All of it is important and God gave us those resources for a reason. And just to leave with some final encouragement, if you are someone who is struggling with body image issues, you know, both Jackie and I just want to remind you and encourage you that you are made in the image of God, that God has created you specifically with purpose And that you are made to be a temple of his Holy Spirit, that you hold the very spirit of God and that you are, your worth is not found in your beauty, in your clear skin, in your flat stomach, in your long, luscious, flowing hair. It is found in the way that you look more and more like Christ every day. So this is an important thing to talk about because so many people struggle with it. It is so much 
covered in shame and pushed in the dark and talked about behind closed doors. So with that, let's bring it back out in the open. 